Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Matthew 6, 6 out of the Living Bible. But when you pray, go away by yourself all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly and your Father who knows your secrets will reward you. The title of my sermon is, Where Are You? Where are you? Where are you? Everyone bow your heads. Father, I ask you today to speak through me to these your people. Let your word come alive, Father. You are the word. So as I preach the word, it's you that's going forth. It's actually you. You're the word. And it is you who will be manifested today. You are the light of the world. And since you live in us, we are the light of the world. And you are love. You dwell in us. So we are to show love to all just as you do. Open our ears to hear, our eyes to see our hearts to comprehend the awesomeness of your presence among us and in us in Jesus' name. Okay, so I would dare say probably 99.9% of you have played hide and seek with your children or your grandchildren. Really? Yes? Okay. All right. Isn't it so much fun? And it's really fun whenever they're like two or three years old, and they're just, well, probably three or four, and they're learning how to count, and they're hiding their little face, you know, over in the corner, and you know you've got to hurry because they're going to go, one, two, ten, ready or not, here I come. So you got to be fast, and you got to hide somewhere where you know they're going to find you because that's the most fun part is when they find you. And then you jump out and they scream and then everybody laughs and we do it all over again. So that's how we do it at our house. I don't know how you do it at your house, but they can hardly wait to come and find you. And it's like, I don't know what it is about. Now, all my grandkids are this way so far. They like to be scared. They like for you to jump out around the corner and, you know, boo. And they just laugh. Anna Grace was the, she was the biggest one. She just thought that was the most hilarious thing. And uh, Ruby, Ruby Jane's like that too. But God loves to play hide and seek with his kids too. He does. And he loves it when we find him. In the voice translation, 2 Chronicles 15, 2, Azariah prophesies, God responds to you as you respond to him. If you are with the eternal, then he is with you. If you look for him, then he will let you find him. Then we skip down to verse 15, and you'll see the people acted on Ezra's uh, prophecy, and they promised to look for him and only him earnestly and entirely, and they knew he would let them find him. And God's response when they found him was to give them peace in their lives. 
I felt led to remain in this same vein that pastor's been in for the last couple of weeks. And if you'll remember last week, um, the word that he spoke on um, was confirmed through myself and Jason within a period of about, a span of about maybe eight hours, we all got basically the same word. And it is the level of anointing you receive will be in direct correlation to the amount of time you spend with God and are obedient to what he asks you to do. New level, deeper. So I have three people that stand out to me whenever I think of going after God, intimacy with God. And the first one I want to talk about is Adam. Because, I mean, he had, I mean, he had it. He had everything. He had God all to himself before Eve was created. He didn't even have to share him with anybody. And, but he didn't know anything else. That was all he knew. He was the first who had intimate fellowship with the creator. He was God's very first friend. The reason he existed was because God so wanted fellowship with another being. I can only imagine what their time together was like. And I think about that a lot. Because I just, I want to go there. I want to be there. I want to have that kind of fellowship with God. He couldn't have realized the depth of what he had uh, and the ramifications of his actions later on or surely he would not have done what he did. Adam was not protective over this precious gift of life. He allowed his mind and his will and his emotions to be led astray and lost the euphoric relationship. That's the only way I know how to describe what it must have been like, is euphoric relationship that he had enjoyed from his very first day on earth. But because of God's immeasurable love for his children, God immediately caused blood to be shed to cover their shame. And he promptly put in place means for his children to once again have access to that intimacy he had with them. So God's just like, okay, you messed up, but we're we're gonna, I have a plan and we're gonna work through my plan and I'm gonna get you back here. I'm going to get you back to this place of intimacy with him. Even though sin broke that relationship, God enjoyed it more than anybody. And he wanted it back. So it wasn't an option for him. So last night, I had them bring this up here to show you. I was, um, let's see, and it'd be warming up. I, I needed to steam this jacket. And it was like these wrinkles were just not coming out. It's suede and it has to be dry cleaned. And it's like, I got to 
get this out. So I got this, I got this steamer out, and there is a tank down here that holds the water right here. And um, can you see? So it's not going to reach. So um, anyway, I had to stop and un because the reservoir ran out of water. I didn't like totally fill it before I got started, so it ran out really quick. So I had to unplug it and I had to refill the reservoir, and then I went back to steam my jacket, and it wouldn't work. Well, I realized I hadn't plugged it back in. <laughs> yes, I have blonde roots, okay. So anyway, this happened a couple of times. Not the part about plugging it back in. I, 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 I caught that the first time. But after I refilled it the second time, I noticed a button I had never used before. It's right here. Like when you steam, okay, so there's two, there's two settings. There's delicate and turbo. Delicate don't do nothing for me. I'm too impatient for delicate. I have to use turbo. And so when I'm steaming, I don't know if y'all can see. So every time I press this button, the steam comes out. Well, one of the times whenever I picked it up, I think I, I switched this accidentally, and look what happened. I got done really quick. I was so happy. I was like, wow, look what I've been missing this whole time. It just does it for me, and I don't have to keep pressing this button. Because I stayed, somebody, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll turn it off so it'll stop. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I know. Smoke. So as long as I kept the reservoir full and I kept the steamer plugged into the power source and I kept the setting on turbo in the lock position, I got the job done. Or it did it for me, really. I didn't have to work at all except just kind of moving up and down. My point is, we've got to stay plugged in to our power source. We've got to keep our settings set in the correct position, and Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. In those unexpected times, if you stay plugged in in those unexpected times when something comes up during the day and you're like, oh God, I need time to pray about this, but there is no time and there is no closet for you to go in and kneel down and pray, he's still working because you're, you're locked and loaded. Yeah. Adam didn't protect his connection to his power source and everything was forever changed, not only for him, but for all mankind. So my second person, this is one of my favorites. My second person, I wanted to talk to you about how his relationship was with the Lord is Moses. Love the story about Moses. Now, it took him 40 years in the desert to get prepared for his ministry. But when he was ready, he was ready. He didn't feel like he was ready, but God said he was ready, so he was ready. Um, and he came to the place to where, I mean, he told God, I'm not going anywhere without you. 
I mean, they were that close. They were so close that whenever they'd get irritated with the children of Israel, they'd argue over, they're your people. No, they're your people. And God said, no, they're your people. I've given them to you. And Moses said, no, they're your people. You told me to lead them out of Egypt. So they would just argue. That's the kind of relationship that he had with God. His intimacy was unparalleled except, you know, for the garden and my third example that I'm going to talk about. He met with God daily in the tent of meeting, face to face, breath to breath. And that was before the cross or Pentecost. Oh my goodness. If Moses had face to face, breath to breath before the cross and before Pentecost, before he had the Holy Spirit, why don't we have that? We have access to it. We have access. Because his relationship with God was so intimate, God trusted him with much, and the anointing and the grace to do what God called him to do was there. They didn't have navigational systems back then. They didn't have, oh, Google Maps. They didn't have Waze. Waze is my favorite, by the way. God was their GPS. So Moses knew a little bit about the desert because of those 40 years that he had been out there, but he didn't know. He depended on God to lead him where they were going. Well, they go and they go and you know I mean if you've read the story most of us know the story of the children of Israel and what a pain they were and how they had to wander so a lot of them would die off because they just they just couldn't go they couldn't go where God needed them to go so one day they were grabbing and complaining and because evidently they were going to find water and this is in chapter 20 of Genesis, or Numbers. Um, so they walked and they got to this place and there was no water. So they turned, I mean, they became a mob. We want water. You brought us out here on purpose just to kill us and see our, our cattle killed and our flocks killed. Well, I, I mean, they actually said that. How much sense does that make? Why would Moses bring them out in the desert for them to die? Because that would mean he would die too. I mean, come on. We get so silly sometimes in our protest to God. Um, but this is where Moses made a huge mistake. Most of us know the story. How, I mean... When they mobbed up on him, he and Aaron just turned and went back to the tabernacle. And when they got to the entrance to the tabernacle, they fell face forward and just died prostrate. I don't even know if they said anything. I don't even think they said anything. But God knew they needed him. And he showed up. Jehovah showed up. And they saw his glory. And God told Moses what to do. He told him to take Aaron's rod, summon the people, 
And as they watch, God told Moses to speak to the rock over there. Like over there. You're not, not by you, but over there. Speak to the rock over there and tell it to pour out its water. Now, Moses just came out of the glory. But it's like he walked right back into his carnality. And he was mad all over again. Because they were probably still being mouthy. So instead of doing what God had told him to do, and all this time it was so important for Moses to obey God and do exactly what God told him to do. But this time he just... I guess he didn't think it was that important or that big a deal, but he hit that rock. He went over to it. He didn't speak to it from here to over there. He walked over to it, and he hit that rock and told it to gush out water. Well, the Lord didn't want them all to die, so he had the water gush out, but... He, God wanted them all to survive, but Moses paid a great price for that act of disobedience. A great price. Because of Moses' steadfast, intimate relationship with God, a whole nation was delivered from slavery and entered into the land God had promised them, flowing with milk and honey. Because he betrayed God's trust and disobeyed God's directive, he was not allowed to go in with them. When it was time for them to go in, Joshua took them in. God took Moses up on a mountain and he watched from afar off while they went in. He had to feel a sense of accomplishment, but you know he had to be so sad. All those years he worked and he couldn't cross over. It was just him and God on that mountain and the word tells us that he died and God himself buried him on that mountain. And to this day, nobody knows where. He had disconnected from his power source that day. God gave him power when they went into the tabernacle and the glory showed up. He gave them power, but then it's like Moses just walked out and just left it in the tabernacle. He didn't stay connected somehow. Got to stay connected. It is said that it's not so much the way you begin that's important, but it's the way you end. And it's so sad that Moses allowed God to work in him so powerfully, but he had to end that way. So I'm doing so good. I mean, I still got it, but I'm doing good. Okay, so I've shared with you, I've shared Adam's experience, intimate experience with God. I've shared Moses' intimate experience. I mean, there's so many in the Word that had intimate experiences with God, but there wasn't enough time, so I had to pick some. So Jesus is my third example. Yeah, he's the ultimate example that we are to follow from the very moment he was miraculously conceived until his death and resurrection, he stayed connected 
to his power source. Now, we know John the Baptist came to prepare the way of Jesus. He was out baptizing people, and all of it was prophetic that uh, for the future, for after the cross, when we would die to our old life and be resurrected as a new man. So it was all prophetic at that time. I'm not even sure if people understood the significance of it then. But God sent John to be a witness to identify the Messiah because the world would not recognize him. Even the ones, the Jews that were looking for him, they were expecting a king like King David. Jesus didn't come like that. He came as an humble servant. So he had to be identified. And so God sent... God told John uh, how to know which person was Jesus. He told him whenever he comes. Now, see, and you got to picture this. John's baptizing people. And Jesus walks down. Well, John doesn't know who he is yet because what God told him to look for hasn't happened yet. So Jesus walks into the water and John baptizes him Death, and as he was resurrected, after he was resurrected, the Holy Spirit came down, and then a voice from seven, heaven said, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. I mean, I don't know how many people were there, but that should have been enough. There shouldn't have been any more debate after that. But, um, but you see where he, I saw this for the first time where Jesus died, he was resurrected, then the Holy Spirit came. And that's exactly what happened. You got it? He died, he was resurrected, he gave them instructions to wait, and the Holy Spirit came. And the church was born. Jesus, while he was here, he said, I have to go away, that he can come. I have to go away. I'm only one person. He was limited. He was all God, but he was all man. He could only be in one place at one time. So he left so Holy Spirit could come and indwell all of us and cover the globe. Amen? So the church has covered the globe. The act of submission and obedience set the tone for Jesus' ministry. It was symbolic of his death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit descending on him signified he was now anointed to begin ministry because he had the power source. Now, we all know Jesus was the word. He was all God. He was all man. But God wouldn't have sent the Holy Spirit on him at that time if it wasn't significant, it was significant because it was the beginning of his ministry. Now, as soon as that happened, he was equipped, had the Holy Spirit on him now. Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted of Satan. So this was a test We don't think of Jesus going through a test, but he went through a test. And it must have been possible 
for his flesh to succumb or else why would we have even had this part? Why would he have even had to go through that? I found it interesting that it took Jesus 40 days to prepare for his ministry and it took Moses 40 years. <laughs> I don't know how long it would take me to do what Moses did, but 40 years at least. So he was equipped. He was equipped. Jesus passes the test and he goes on to recruit and train disciples so they would be equipped to continue the work after he leaves because he knows that he's going to be leaving soon. His ministry was short. He had a short time to work in. But he got the job done because he stayed connected to the, the, the power source. Another significant test Jesus faces in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. He took some disciples and then he went further and he took a few more and then he left them and then I think he went to probably what he considered his secret place, his closet, and shut the door. Shut the door. And prayed in agony, agonizing over what he had ahead of him. Now, he knew as God that what was going to happen and the significance and why he had to do it. But he still asked the Father, if it be thy will, let this pass from me. I don't really, my flesh didn't want to do this. But yet, your will be done. And he comes out and the disciples are sleeping. I mean, he had been talking to them about this for days, about what was coming, and they're sleeping. He said, you couldn't even stay awake for an hour? Wow. And he went back and forth like, and did that a couple of times. I mean, after the first time when Jesus come back and asked me, you couldn't stay awake an hour, I would be awake when he come back and checked on me the second time. But they were asleep again. And the third time they were asleep, and then he gave up on them. And he just like, okay, just go ahead. But I think that Father needed that time with his son, that intimate time, just the two of them, where he was only dependent on his father, wasn't dependent on their prayers, the disciples' prayers, wasn't dependent on any intercessors, wasn't dependent on anything. He was solely dependent on his father. So after he prayed and he, like, you know how after, you, you know, you're trying to battle and you're making a decision and finally you like, you, okay, my mindset. The Lord's given me the power to do this. I can do this. So he submitted wholly to God's will that he would die as the final lamb. For those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, you know, sometimes we come in here on Sunday morning and we expect everybody to know all the Bible stories and all the, everything that we believe and all that. But I, 
we have to acknowledge that there may be some among us that don't know anything about the Bible. And throughout the Old Testament, since the garden, God made the first sacrifice to cover sin. And so throughout the Old Testament, up until Jesus died, a lamb was sacrificed to cover sin. And there's a lot more other, very, God was very detailed back in Leviticus and the Old Testament telling them, you know, how to chop up the animals and how to lay them. It was, when you read about that, it's kind of like weird. But I'm sure there's some symbolism in all of that. But Jesus was the last lamb the very last lamb, the lamb of God that was sacrificed for the whole world, for all of us to have everlasting life, for all of us to be able to be connected to the power source all the time, 24-7, 365 days of the year. We don't ever have to be disconnected through the power of the cross. The plan was complete because of Jesus' obedience Obedience is huge for what you want God to do in your life because the more you obey, the more he trusts you with. Don't despite the days of small beginnings. If you're doing, if you're doing something back in the back where nobody, where you don't get credit, you know, people up front are the ones that are always getting the attention and the credit and you're back here and you're, do it with joy because you're gonna be stuck there until you do it with joy. And then God can advance you and promote you and give you something bigger, amen? And don't be complacent with that. Like, don't be satisfied with that. Do it with joy and look for opportunities where God's gonna promote you. Um, so because of Jesus' obedience, he left in order for the Holy Spirit to come. And he, you know, he started out, there, there was 500 that he told to wait. 500. And dwindled down to just 120. I just, I, if, if I had seen Jesus do what he did, and I, I think I would have listened. If I really believed he was the son of God, I think I would have listened. But those 120, because of their obedience and unity, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they received the great, the great, the greatest power connection. So I'm about to close. But I want to just look ahead a little bit in 1 Peter. And he, he uh, uh, 1 Peter 1.8 Peter was amazed at these followers of Jesus, this, this newly born church, because they had not seen Jesus. They hadn't seen him walk on water. They hadn't seen him perform miracles. They hadn't seen him do anything like that, but yet they believed. It was because they were around people with that power connection and they got that power connection and they knew what was inside of them and what was living in them. But Peter was amazed at these followers of Christ and stated, although you haven't seen Jesus, you still love him. 
Although you don't see him, you do believe in him and celebrate with joy that is glorious and beyond words. And then down in verse 12, he tells them that angels stand in awe of their intimacy and their relationship with Jesus. Angels stand in awe of what we have. We've experienced the blood. We've experienced the Holy Spirit. We've got the power connection. And they stand in awe just watching us in our secret place, having our intimate time with the Lord. They will never know that kind of intimacy. You know, the first hide and seek that we talked about with Adam in the garden, it was not, that was not, I don't know how many times that, you know, I feel like God's playful and I feel like that they had a lot of fun in the garden. So I don't know how many times that happened, but I do know that this time was not a fun time and that it was different because sin had truly separated Adam from his power source. He experienced separation from the one he had enjoyed fellowship with from his very first day. Separation from the one who created him, the one who loved him enough to acknowledge Adam needed a counterpart like the rest of creation. He loved Adam enough to share him with somebody else. He didn't have to do that. He could have kept him all to himself, but he didn't. He did what was good for Adam. Somewhere along the way, Adam must have allowed himself to become less and less intimate with God, and he didn't stay close to his power source, and sin came through, and God came searching. Where are you? And I believe he's saying that to us, some of us today. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Something separated me from you, and I can't see you. Where are you? Where are you? I believe that God is saying, where is my beloved, the one I love with an everlasting love? He wants to meet you in the secret place. Steve and the worship team, y'all come help. He's calling us back. He's calling us back to that first intimate experience that he had with Adam in the garden. The church has experienced intimacy with God, but not to the level that God wants. He's seeking. He's seeking. And he's waiting for you to seek him because he's going to make sure that you find him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. He's calling us deeper than we've ever known or experienced. And I really want you to hear me with that. Our worship service set us up for this time right now. We had a moment of intimacy then. And I know I'm talking about 
intimacy in your secret place, wherever that is. And, it, you know, wherever you, if you have to go sit in your car to get by yourself over in some park, whatever you got to do to get by yourself with God, that's what you got to do. But angels stand in awe of us. Why would you not seek Him? Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.